You're a, you're a Iranian. Yeah. Do you say it? Are you supposed to say Iranian rather than Iranian? Does it matter? Is it doesn't matter. Cool. Iranians say Iranians. Like okay. we don't hit the A hard, but Iranian. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a big wrestling fan, and uh, Iron Sheikh. No, like real wrestling. Real wrestling. And like Iran's like, always great, like, like in the Olympics, like college and yeah, Olympics. And uh, I went to the World Cup this year in. Uh, oh, nice. In Los Angeles, and uh, those Iranian fans are freaking awesome. Really? I mean, there are more of them there than Americans, and uh, they were just, they fucking love it. And, uh, Super into it, yeah. yeah. That's oh, our wait, sport. I could cuss on this thing. Right? Oh, yeah, you could do anything okay. you want. <laughs> Sweet. That's our, wrestling is our sport. Like, that's all we have, pretty much. We try to do soccer, but we always lose, so all we have is... Like weightlifting and wrestling. It's because they don't cost any money, you know. I don't, exactly, I don't know how yeah. much money Iran, Iran. I, now I can't say it fucking right because you, you're like. No. You can say Iran, Iran, yeah. Persia, whatever. Well, anyway, it doesn't cost any money, and I don't know how financially well off uh, Iran is in general, but uh, right. it doesn't cost shit to wrestle or to lift weights. You know, it's, it's true, like yeah. put this on bar and lift. <laughs> you kick his ass. <laughs> you know. So. You did wrestling in high school or are, in college? Are we are we doing this right yeah, now? Yeah. Okay, on. I didn't know. If, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be wasting all this good <laughs> shit on, uh, <laughs> on nothing. All right. Um, yeah, I wrestled in high school and college, and I started when I was seven years old. And Awesome. Know, there's a lot of similarities between wrestling and stand-up comedy. Yeah? Just with the crowd? Kind of have to... Yeah, the uh, um, the way you feel before a, uh, a comedy show is very similar to how you would feel before a wrestling match. Really? Yeah. What? Same I mean... kind of nerves, same kind of... Like when I was a kid and we would pull up to the school, you know... Be like, oh shit, it's on now. <laughs> it's going and, down. You know, yeah. I'm going to weigh in, and in an hour, somebody's going to be trying to kick my ass. And, uh, <laughs> you'd get that feeling, you know. You'd right. go to the parking lot, and you immediately, like, felt like you had to poop. You're like, yeah. all right, this is going to happen, you know? Yeah. And that uh, was the same thing, with, uh, same thing with, with going on stage when someone's like, you're up next, or whatever, especially if it's like a surprise. Yeah. You know? Like, if you walk into a club and you're supposed to go on later, and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, hey, what's his name canceled and you're next? All of a sudden you're like, ah, shit. You know, like, I'm not, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but right. I'm not ready. I got to get my mind right, yeah. you know. And, and The uh, pooping feeling comes yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I don't know. What's like the two, they're both like two things where you have to learn it in front of people. Like you can't practice wrestling by yourself in your room and you can't practice stand-up in your room. Like you have to go out and kind of embarrass yourself like if you yeah. do bad or something. If you like practice moves on your pillow, yeah, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to get any better. <laughs> you tie up with an actual person. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's the same way. People always want to ask me, um, how do I get into stand-up? And I'm like, what, you know, what do I do? And I'm like, uh, I always recommend this certain book and uh, I tell them to get on stage and do it as many as often and in as many different locations as possible, you know, and, uh, they never want to hear that, you know, <laughs> they're always like, Oh, well, what else do I do? It's right. like, well, that's <laughs> it. Dummy. You know, like it sucks. It's hard. You yeah. know, I mean, it's fun, but it's, it's also, uh, what's the know, book that you recommend? Uh, it's called Zen and the art of Stand Up comedy. Okay. Like a guy named Jay Sankey. It's a real easy to read book, even if you don't like to read. And, yeah. uh, I read it when I was, uh, when I decided to do this for a living, I was still in college and I'd never done comedy, but I just, sometimes you know that you can do certain things or that it's going to work out, mm -hmm. you know, as crazy as 
it may have sounded. Um, so my counselor was like, I really felt bad when you told me what you were going to do and because um, I didn't know how to advise you, but I found this book, and it turned out to be great. And uh, you know, I spent thousands of dollars on textbooks, and I spent 20 on this freaking book. And <laughs> That was the one that counted. Yeah, it was way more yeah. worth um, – it was worth a lot more to me than any of that other crap. So. Right. And you started in college, and you, you've you never done it before, but you just knew like you had it in you? Or? Um, I actually didn't even try it in college. I was in college, and I was going to be a teacher and a wrestling coach because I didn't know what else to do. I figured I would have my summers off, and I would coach wrestling. Yeah. And, uh, but the closer I got to being in the school of education, which is the final step to becoming a teacher, I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. I went to teacher aiding. and. What did you want to teach? Uh, I, I don't know, as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I would have been a total, like, we're watching a film today, and yeah. take your paper and pass it back and have the guy behind you grade it because yeah. I'm not doing shit, you know. Uh, I don't think it's a profession you should go into as half-assed as I would have. Right. And I know how I am. I would have yeah. been like, well, this is the, you know, I would have been doing the bare minimum on everything. Yeah. You know, somebody else grading my papers, you know. <laughs> Um. Anyway, I got off track with what the heck I was saying. What the heck was I saying? About how you were getting into stand-up. Yeah. Um. I, the closer I got to doing it, I didn't want to be. Uh, I was like, I don't want to be a teacher, and I went to. I did this teacher aiding thing for a bunch of junior high kids or middle mm. school kids, and yep. they were such assholes. I was like. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. Like, I'll freaking eat a bullet. You know, yeah. these kids are, or I'll hit one of them, you know, because they're just assholes. And, right. You know, I, there was, they were playing this game one day and I was like, I caught myself like trying to cheat, trying to help the slow table, like cheat. I was like 1864. And they're like, what? I'm like, God, these kids can't even cheat. Like Jesus. And I was like, well, dude, if you're, if you're cheating and you know, you're not going to, you know, but then I started to panic because I was like, well, shit, I've got a hundred and something credit hours. I don't know what else to do. And then a friend of mine, this girl, invited me over to her house and we uh, smoked some pot and listened to a Bill Hicks CD. And I walked home that night and uh, changed my major the next day. Wow. That night I was like, that guy was the funniest person I've ever heard in my life. And at that point in my life, I had never heard of him, which to me meant I can do this for a living even if I never get famous. You know? Right. And sometimes I have people ask me, you know, or my high school friends will be like, I've got one in particular who calls me up drunk all the time. And he'll be like, Gaither, I, I tell my friends all the time, you're going to make it. You're going to make it, man. I'm like, well, I haven't had a day job in 14 years. Maybe, maybe I have made it. You know, what makes you the gatekeeper of, right. of whether I'm successful or not, or if my life was a total sham waste of time? Like, are you going to be there when I'm 78 and it didn't work out the way you thought I should have and be like, well, Gaither, I was pulling for you. I know your life didn't amount to shit ultimately, but, <laughs> you know, like, who the hell do you think you are, dickhead? You know? And he's always calling me up drunk and I'll be like, Gaither, I want to do what you do. And I'm like, okay, well. Go to an open mic night. He's like, no, fuck that. Hook it up. I'm like, that's not how it works, dude. It's not like, you know, freaking Walmart. I can't just tell you to come clock in, you know. Just a referral system. Yeah, show up and give them the secret passcode. Yeah. They'll get you a uniform, you know. It's hard, man. What does he do that he wants to 
Um, where his life is so successful. He's, he's got <laughs> one of those jobs where you don't know what the hell he does. And even oh, if okay. he explained it to you, you'd be like, okay. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he's got a good life. He's got a, you know, a nice wife and... I call those the that's cool jobs. Wherever you see somebody, you're like, what do you do? Like, oh, I work down in the financial department working on like some sector. You're like, oh, yeah, that's you, cool. Yeah, like, you know, and I'm, no sure, I'm sure it's a good job, but you have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Right. And, and I'm not knocking him. It's just funny that he, one, thinks it's as easy as he does because he's always like, I have ideas, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, go to he's an open You know, <laughs> I tell him, I'm like, well, go to an open mic night and, you know, just try him out. And he's like, fuck that. Hook it up. <laughs> Hook me up, Gaither. What are you scared? I'll show you up. Hook it up, pussy. You know, because we're on the same high school wrestling team. So right. he talks to me like an asshole. And anyway, it's pretty funny. But That's so funny. But I've had a few people do that, like, when are you going to get in a movie? And when are you going to do that? Well, you can't just go and be like, hey, I'm here for the movie. I heard you guys are shooting. So. <laughs> I mean, my dream would be just to be like a, you know, if I could just be a club comic and not have to do any sort of day job. Do you do, you do stand-up? I've been doing it for about a year and a half. Awesome. That's so I just started. Yeah. But well, I trust s- me, when you get to that point, you'll you'll have different goals after that. <laughs> you think that's your goal right now. Right. But, uh, no, but to be honest, that that's great that you're uh, um, that you're doing that and that you uh, want to do that. And it's um, how old are you? Twenty-two. So you just so year and a half. Yeah, that's the best part of it. The first couple of years when uh, you don't know shit, yeah. and it's all just like trial by fire, and right. you just kind of you know, I, I kind of miss those days. Once it becomes your job, like it became my job right at the two year mark. I was pretty. Oh wow. That's really quick. Pretty fortunate as far as uh, um, I didn't have a lot of bills and I didn't have anybody to take care of. And yeah. I lived in my parents' basement apartment for the first couple of years that I did stand up. In the first couple of years, I didn't care about I didn't care about making a nickel. I just wanted to get good at it. Right. And uh, one of my pet peeves these days are all these guys who have like a business card and uh, they've got like a website. Headshots. And I've headshots seen a lot of headshots. And they've got merchandise to sell, <laughs> right. but they don't have one fucking joke. And I'm like, <laughs> why don't you, you know, why don't you take about a year and just do nothing but open mic after open mic after open mic, you know, right. and then maybe think about getting a card that has your name and email or whatever. But yeah. Man, you know, please. This yeah. shit is hard, you know? Don't just come out and be like, hey, here's my card, you know? Because it's like, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Don't get me started on that. But, uh, but anyway, the first two years, all I wanted to do was uh, get good at it. And I was ma- I started. And were you still... I saw on your Facebook you went to Kansas State. My dad went to Kansas State, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I wrestled for two years, there? and then I graduated from K-State. But, um, um, yeah, I started in Kansas at Stanford's Comedy Club. Um, was that in like Coffeysville or? No, it's in uh, it's in Overland. It was at the time it was in uh, Westport. Right? Okay. Yeah, in Missouri. Yeah. So. Very cool. Midtown. Yeah, it was yeah. it was an awesome comedy club to start out at. And. Uh, How was your first set that you went up and did? It, it went it went well. I had about eleven people in the crowd that I that I knew my buddies and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, but it went well. I was really ready for it, and I only had to do three minutes and. You know, I practiced the hell out of it and all that, and uh, it went well. And then uh, <laughs> um, it went well until about the first, I think the first time I ever actually made money mm-hmm. to do stand-up, which I made $8 <laughs> at the Best of Kansas City on a Tuesday. 
and I did like 11 minutes and I don't think I got to laugh until the very like my last joke and I was I was ready to quit that night I remember wow. I remember going and sitting in the crowd and being like I have a college degree <laughs> and I uh, you know I've been funny my whole life I don't need people staring at me telling me I'm not fuck this yeah this shit I don't you know I'll just quit <laughs> then a guy named Brian Burgess walked in oh. who's the funniest guy you've never heard of and and none of us had done well that night. Chris Porter was actually the headliner that night because he's from Kansas City too. He started about a year ahead of me. And he was the headliner, but none of us like did enough time. Mm. You know, like Chris had only been doing comedy like a year, maybe a year and a half or two. And I'd been doing it like six, you know, not even six months. Anyway, he had been doing it like six months. Right. None of us had been doing it very damn long. And uh, we all went short and then Burgess came in. And nobody had done very well, and he just destroyed. You know, wow. and he'd been doing comedy for like 15 years, and that's yeah. when I was like, okay, take it easy, pussy. You know, like, <laughs> you're doing comedy like a month or some shit, yeah. and uh, you're going to quit, you know, and this right. guy walks in and he destroys because he's been doing it for 15 years. Exactly, you know? yeah. So you got to give it a little more time. And I heard it's seven years before you even figure out your voice, like on stage. Man, I don't know. I hear all kinds of shit like yeah. that, and I don't... I don't think there's a set time. Uh, I think everyone progresses differently. I remember being five or six or seven or eight years in and hearing a Seinfeld quote or something about no one gets really good until 10 years in or something at the time thinking, well, that's bullshit. You know, that doesn't apply to everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And now I've been doing it 16 years, 14 years for a living. And I'm like, you know, you go through phases and you're, you're like, oh, well, now I get what they were saying. Like, I'm just now starting to you know, really become me, you know? Right. And uh, the other night, someone paid me a compliment and said I had found my voice or something, and I was like, well, I don't think I have completely, but I think it would be kind of uh, boring if you had it just all figured out. But even Bill Burr, who I consider, you know, and and anybody who knows anything about stand-up considers him to be in the top three or five at the, you know... It's like him and Louie. On anybody's radar, Bill Burr's in the top five. And if he's not, you're a fucking idiot. You know, (laughs) I don't want to be in a comedy room. I don't want to talk to you, you know? Like, you're just, you're stupid if you don't. And he's my personal favorite. And even he told me, uh, he was like, I still don't feel like I've completely found my voice. You know? And if that guy hasn't found it completely, then... You know, who the fuck, you know, oh, I found my voice. Shut up. You yeah. Know, you, you, you haven't. And, <laughs> exactly. And that's okay. You know, right. you just keep digging and you keep trying to get better. And uh, and you do, but it's addicting, you know. And then when you think you've, you know, you're never going to eat it again, then you have some awful show and you're like, well, shit. You know, <laughs> it's just. It brings you down a little bit. Yeah. And I think every level you get to, uh, everybody has that moment you know but you do have a pretty distinguishing uh voice like when i'm at the when i used to work at the comedy magic club i could not even look at the stage and i knew you were on like there, there's a presence like did you have that voice like pretty early on figured out because right now like a year into stand-up i'm just ripping off kind of yeah my favorite comedians um i'm sorry what the hell was your question exactly <laughs> sorry did you have it like did you have your voice kind of early on, or did it, did you do like no other? I, no, I. I uh, um, did you like experiment and like? One-liners do you mean my voice stuff? as far as like what I sound like or my attitude? Just kind of like, I know people who like 
they'll do they'll try like a music actor they'll try to do like one-liners or they'll try to do like big stories and stuff just to figure out like what kind of stuff they do Mm -hmm. and did you sort of experiment with other stuff in the beginning or did you just Uh, i think i did without realizing it like like i have a bit of an accent off stage but on stage it comes out even more and i've had people um be like are you faking that and i'm like no it's just how i talk on stage is slower and more um you know i don't know for some reason when i'm talking into a microphone it slows down my voice and i sound more southern i guess and uh (laughs) Um, but to answer your question, which I feel like I'm doing horribly right now, no. uh, I, I still don't feel like I've found my, my voice, but in the beginning, um, God, I'm taking forever to answer this question. No. In the beginning, um, I found a tape of the first time I ever featured not too long ago mm-hmm. on a, at a club and they paid me 400 bucks the week or whatever. Wow. And I yeah. thought it was so awesome and all that. Where you th- where you're at right now, where mm-hmm. you think it's a, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you a story in a second. Don't forget, <laughs> but, um. Uh, I, I still don't feel like I found my voice to answer your question. You might need to edit out this whole chunk. No. It's, it's crap. I, <laughs> I apologize. No. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to know as somebody who's starting out is where it's like, you got to keep just doing it and eventually you'll figure something out, I guess, on stage or just listening to tapes. Yeah, I think it's very important to record yourself when you're first starting out and uh, word economy is very important. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you're good at stand-up comedy, you make it look easy so everyone thinks it's easy, and then that's why it's part of the reason people judge comics so harshly. Have you ever noticed how harshly uh, comics and yeah. athletes are judged? You know, it's like the two things that hardly anyone else can do, <laughs> but the two things that people are like, ah, that guy sucks. Right? Does he? Does he suck? <laughs> you know, like I went to the World Cup and I heard these guys bagging on this guy. Uh, Brent Metcalf, who was on his third world team this year, which is the most insanely hard thing to do in the world, is making a, a, a wrestling team right. for the U.S. or Iran or on a world level. Yeah. The guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you get one stud and he's it. Right. It's hard as shit to do that. Well, this guy's done it three times. He was like 225 and zero in high school. Wow. He was a two time NCAA champion, three time finalist. And these guys are like, this guy isn't shit. They need to get so-and-so in there. He'd bring home some hardware and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to slap this guy. I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, that'd be like going up to an NBA player and be like, you can't ball. You know, like, well, I think I can, you know. That's like, my favorite when you're at a baseball game or something. Like, come on, you're supposed to hit that. It's like, are you serious? The guy just threw that ball at 99 miles an hour. Like, yeah. I mean, and comedy is the same way. People... Oh, I, I think it's because everybody has told a joke once in their life and everybody has played a sport, so they feel like they can somehow heckle or whatever. But nobody heckles during, like, a principal's speech or, like, during a congressman's speech or anything like that because they've never done anything like that. Yeah, and it's, you know, boring as shit. Nobody I know, exactly. Like <laughs> what was that story with he made the $400 for oh, that week? Oh, um, no, I didn't make 400 bucks, but I remember the first time I... Uh, first time I emceed on the road it was at a Sioux Falls funny bone at the time it's not even there anymore and I made 150 uh, I made 150 bucks uh, Polly Shore made thirty thousand dollars what to uh, headline that week six shows my god and uh, my friend James Johan made 500 for the week and uh, I remember look. I remember being like, "Dude, you made five hundred dollars telling jokes." And he looked at me like, "Cause he'd been doing it for about ten years at that time." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, 
you know, like, fuck you, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, but at the time I was like, dude, 500 bucks. You made it. To tell jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You made it, you know? And then you get to that level and then now someone offers you $500 for two, six shows and you're like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but at the time you never think, you know, right. you're going to do that. So, And you, you were on the road two years in or were you playing clubs um, two years in? I started Kansas City at the time was a great place to start because you were four to eight. You had so much work within a four to eight hour radius. And uh, I, within two years, was making a few hundred bucks emceeing and starting to feature certain places and on one nighters and stuff. And it averaged out to where I was making maybe 300 bucks a week or something. So, and I was working at a restaurant and that restaurant closed down. And I just decided to see how, you know. It's like, well, I'll just see if I can, you know, do this for a living now. And it's been 14 years and I've never, wow. never had a day job. So, uh, that was your last regular job before standing. Yeah. I cool. started waiting tables after, uh, in college while I did my first open mic night or whatever. Yeah. And that guy, Brian Burgess, who I saw at an open mic before I even started, he, I, I've never laughed that hard in 15 minutes in my life. And, uh, um, he's actually Mitchell Burgess's brother, the guy who did, uh, Sopranos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so very talented family, but I've never laughed that hard in 15 minutes in my life. And <laughs> I looked at my brother and I was like, man, that's how I'm talking about. Like, that's how funny I'd like to be someday. And yeah. Like, now sometimes I have those moments and I'm like, oh, you got to step back and realize that and realize that, you know, yeah, I do this for a living. You know, like if I don't want to do shit today, I don't have to, <laughs> you know, and no one can tell me not to. Yeah. I mean, I try to do something positive every day, but if I don't, fuck it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But if, if not necessarily fuck it, but, um, but try to remember that, you know, that, you know, this is what, this was my, my plan. And, uh, you're living the dream. Like, yeah, I, I, I did nothing but headline weeks this year and, uh, hopefully it'll just keep getting better. And I filmed a special last year and that was a great special too. Oh, you saw the the whole thing live from Vegas. Yes, man. That was really great. Thanks buddy. Um, that was your first special you did? You owe me $20, by the way. <laughs> that was my first one. It's coming. It's that, coming. That, was, that was my first one, yeah. That's so cool. And, I mean, I've never been to the Laugh Factory in Tropicana, but it seems like such a like perfect venue well, to tape it, a special. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we were going to do it in Long Beach at the Laugh Factory, which is this, it's a huge, beautiful room, and I would have loved to do it there and, and on a lot of levels. But um, when I did Vegas... It's more of an intimate room, and it's more of a uh, um, the uh, crowds are, are kind of a mixture of people throughout the entire country. Yeah, and I thought, well, and this you can is... see it in the special, like the lights on most of the crowd. It's yeah, just like completely. I diverse. wish there would have been a little more diversity. Like I wish we would have more black folks in there because mm-hmm. I really love black audiences, <laughs> um, and I do really well with black audiences. Which people are always surprised by. They're like, you, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, <laughs> I think outside of the box a little, I know I'm, I'm white and I have an accent, you know, and we're all fucking slave owners and shit. But, um, yeah, it's funny that people don't think I can pull, they're like, you really with a black audience? I'm like, yes, tell me. Um, I'm rambling like a motherfucker today. Right. What was I saying? No, about how you wish the audience was more diverse. Yeah, I wish there would have been a few more uh, uh, black folks, especially in there. Um, but was, I had I had a lot of fun, and it was 
it's people from all over the country, which is who I've been playing to for the last 14 years. Yeah. You know? So that's part of the reason I wanted to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. I, I, I would like to, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, writing another hour and, uh, it's hard, man. It's funny when people are like, so what do you got like a new 40 now? And I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I could stand up there and talk about, you know, shit for 40 minutes and make, right. make about half of it funny. But, uh, <laughs> You know, and it's it's not. That's really hard. So all the material from the specials, you're kind of pushing that aside to get ready for a new one, or? Um, well, I would love to tell you that that's the case that I've just dropped all of it, but uh, I I still when I headline a a room that I've never been to, you know, I have to do a good job. I can't be going. Right. I can't go in there and like experiment. Like I threw away my hours, so here's all my new <laughs> shit. You know. <laughs> Thanks for the nice paycheck and the stage time to do my open mic when you're, you know, trying to make a living here, you fuckers, you know. So I have to go and do a good job, but I've I've been doing a good job lately of uh, um, making sure to slip in new stuff. And what sucks about old stuff um, is that a lot of times you can just keep building on it, you know. And, uh, I mean, I guess if the special... Uh, get super successful and everyone sees it then you know I'll definitely have to write a new hour and that's the the always the goal is to continue to to write and you you don't think you've written much and then people come to your shows and they're like I hadn't heard you know a lot of that and then you go and look at old stuff and you're like oh well I guess I have a lot more new stuff than I than I realized because you throw away like a certain chunk and then you um add something else on there. And the first, when you're first starting out, like you are now, the first 30 minutes, I think for a lot of people is the hardest to get like a real quality 30 because mm-hmm. you'll get 10 and then you'll write a new two and you're like, well, now I got to throw away that other three because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I can't have that next to this. Right. So I've got to do, you know, I, I, I can't in good consciousness do that unless I have to stretch and do 20 and then I'll right. throw that in there. That's what a lot of, I think it should almost be like, my hat's off to you for starting out in LA, because it's a bitch, man. It, oh, yeah. It is a really, really hard place to I start. I actually started in San Francisco when I went to school up there. Okay. Way easier. Yeah. Like, it was totally relaxed. I came here, I tried to go to the comedy store a few times, and it's just like, oh my God, everybody's trying to do stand-up. Like, well, yeah. It, highly competitive. It, there's so many people that, frankly, shouldn't be uh, even allowed it's like can you just this is hard enough can you quit clogging <laughs> it up for everyone right. and get the fuck yeah you, you have no no ability. i saw a guy like literally got like pulled in with an uber or something like that got out of the back of the taxi came with like his shirt and tie and i just overheard him talking like he put his name on the list too and he's just like yeah i just got off work like at the like law firm or like get out of here man you already made it like you work at the law firm <laughs> like you just like got your name on this lottery and now i have like less chance yeah i mean you know anybody has the right to uh to to try it um it's just but the hobbyists are like when you see them you're like ah damn <laughs> like just one more name yeah i mean this it's a hard town i moved out here i'd been doing it for 10 years then eight for a living and i was you know headlining at least half the stuff I did and, you know, headlining certain improvs and funny bones and, you know, and then I came out here and was just treated like such a jackass, like, you know, get in line behind all these shitheads who've never done anything. And it's like, it's very kind of humbling and it kind of, you know, makes you a little angry at first, but you got to get past all that shit because, you know, right. there's just too much, 
competition. If you don't want to be here, well, then fucking leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple solution. Yeah. Well, you said you, um, when you're working on new material, you do like a chunk. How, I was wondering, how does a comic like, like you, who's already playing clubs, try out new material? Do you go back to open mics or do you just kind of sneak it into your um, normal act or? Well, it's actually easier to, uh, for me anyway, to, uh, uh, when I headline a room, you know, cause you're doing 45 to an hour. So if you have a couple of minutes here and there that don't go the way you wanted them to, right. well, you can get yourself out of that jam or, you know, make fun of the fact that it wasn't as funny as you thought it would be or whatever, yeah. you know, um, experience gets you out of a lot of places like that. But you know, when I was starting out, especially, and I still do this sometimes I'll make a set list and then I'll put like a, like a, like a star or a check mark or something where I want to talk to the crowd a little bit about, you know, to try to work something out. Mm -hmm. Or um, if there's something that I want to work out, I'll, I'll wedge it between two things that are really strong. So it's not as glaringly, you know, like if you do something that goes really well and right. then you do something that doesn't do that well, well, as long as you follow it up with something that does, then... You know, there's all these little tricks, and, yeah. and audiences aren't going to walk out of there going, well, we did lose them from the 17 to the 19-minute mark, you know? <laughs> I think we're the only ones who realize that kind of shit, you know, and you kind of mm -hmm. get past that, which that's still my biggest uh, obstacle as a comic is uh, the last time I spoke to Bill Burr, he was talking about how he, um, he, he was telling me about... Uh, um, a certain way to just of going up and how he just talks to the crowd, you know, and works things out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, basically about not having fear about, you know, whether it gets a laugh or not and all that. And I've just, uh, you know, I still really, really like to hear him laugh, you yeah. know, and it, it sucks when they don't, or if you think you have a, you know, uh, a lot of times things will sound so good in your head and then you go to say them <laughs> and you're just like, well, shit, that's not, damn it, you know, that's not how I meant to say that. Right. right. Or sometimes two words will uh, uh, change uh, a joke or make something funny. Or if you forget those two words or put them somewhere else, you're like, there's so much to it, you know? Yeah. There's so much to stand-up comedy that people just don't No, yeah, know, people have no idea. You know? There's a rhythm to jokes, and if you mess up or forget a word, like that could throw you completely yeah. off. It's like a song. You yeah. Know? Sometimes a, and especially with my particular style, sometimes a waiter could drop a tray, or someone could uh, clear their throat at the wrong time, or sneeze, or you know, and it can fuck up a joke. Yeah. And like, and and sometimes no one knows it but you, mm -hmm. but you hear that. Uh, you hear that you got three fourths of what you normally would. Your right. ear just hears it. You know, it comic. It's you can come off stage and people are like, "Wow, that was great!" And as a comic, you're like, "That sucked." Like, you have no <laughs> idea how bad that was. Yeah. You know, like I was off, and they're like, "No, you were great." You know? Right. And then you watch the tape, and you're like, "That doesn't look near as bad as I as it seemed in my right. head." You know. I don't know. This is like the worst fucking podcast you've ever no. had. <laughs> this, is perfect. this is the best <laughs> podcast I've ever had. Liar. You're going to have to edit that out so you don't piss no, me off. No, not at all. <laughs> but to go back to the uh, the special, Russell Peters introduced you on stage. Yeah, yeah. it was nice. That's awesome. he, uh, he, you guys are buddies? Yeah, he made it. He, we met at the comedy store a couple of years ago and uh, opened for him in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. Oh, cool. And... Uh, 
uh, we were just talking one night, and I was like, would you mind coming out and just introducing me? And uh, and he was nice enough to do that and, and did a setup front, and uh, we edited it down to about three minutes. But he did like 10 or 15, and, you know, he's just out there crushing, and I'm like, all right, take it down a notch, you know? Like, I get it. His pie jokes are like... <laughs> I get it. You're a bad motherfucker, you know? <laughs> we know you made $500 billion last year touring the world, selling out arenas. Yeah. Thanks for coming out, but can you not kill it so fucking hard in front of me before I do this? You know. But no, it was great of him to come out and, uh, um, you know, I mean, shit. That, that guy makes a lot of money every day, whether he's doing something or not. So for him to uh, take the time to do that was super nice. Of him. Yeah, that was really cool to see him. And, and to just add, like... Just from watching the special, people at home can see. But even when, like, I see you live, like when you come out, you have such a, like a calm, like demeanor on stage. But I always am impressed by people who just control the room, like instantly when they come out. And I always feel that with you. Like when you come out, you're so calm, but still the whole room is like paying attention. <laughs> I think they're paying attention because they're afraid I'm not gonna stroke out or not say anything. They're like, why is this guy not saying shit? But it's badass. Like as a kid who sucks at like open mics to see like that kind of you know control is amazing and. Um, where I'm going with this was just like you have a really quick wit too and like those guys who are like speaking out in the clubs and you just like get them real quick or any sort of heckler or anything yeah well I learned pretty quickly that uh, I remember first starting out and uh, you know being amazed by people who are good with hecklers like that guy Brian Burgess and uh, he just shut them down so quickly and I remember first starting out and someone would say something or heckle or shout something. And I remember getting all nervous, like, holy shit, everyone's looking at me and I have to say something clever back to them. And, and it was really nerve wracking. And then I realized, like, people who shout shit out, like hecklers and whatnot, um, they're generally not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> so if you give them just a little bit of room, they, they will hang themselves, you know, like... <laughs> And, and I make them repeat themselves. Yeah. And a lot of times they won't even say it back. Or, right. Or that, a lot of times that gives me just enough time to formulate whatever, you know. And it's it's really like, and especially as long as I've been doing it, it it's almost like, um, it, it's almost like a boxer fighting like a special needs kid. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really awful. Um, that sounded bad. I no. Have, Put that image in people's head of uh, some really game descriptive analogy. <laughs> Special needs kid just slugging away, and I'm like, "Well, I told you, boy, I'm a professional now. You got that down, so you need to just all right, take it easy, get just there. just let him do yeah. what he's gonna do." Um, but anyway, it's it, what was yeah, your worst like heckler experience? <clears throat> like the um, weirdest shout out or I don't know I had a lady throw a purse at me one night and uh <laughs> where was that it was in uh Kentucky somewhere I forget what room I was working she just what threw it? it I think it was in the comedy caravan in Louisville Kentucky yeah um no she was in the front row and she was uh I said something that made her mad and uh she threw a purse at me <laughs> and I was like going through it on yeah stage. what's the point of that <laughs> this was when I was this is when I drank a lot, and uh, I'm pretty sure I 
was drinking that night and I was like looking down for some reason and she threw a purse at me and it missed me and then I was like going through it and they were like oh you better give her the purse and I was like okay take it easy. <laughs> I almost got in a fight but yeah it's pretty funny I love how that's her like first instinct to just throw all her money and possessions yeah. at the person she was like asleep and she like picked her head off the table and she was like I ain't no racist and I'm like okay <laughs> said every racist person and then she threw a pillow or her purse at me right yeah. Uh, but she, it was just completely out of context. Like there was no reason for her to say, "I'm not a racist." Yeah. She just like woke up, and that's what came <laughs> to her mind. What was like your best like zing or? Well, there was my best zing. You're funny. Ninety. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best zinger you ever did in your whole career? What was it? What was your best zinger? <laughs> Give me a night. Um. The best 10 minutes of my career was in Dayton, Ohio, and if I had that on tape and would have put it on YouTube, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. <laughs> I'd probably be on a tour bus somewhere. What happened? Um, I was doing the Dayton Funny Bone, and I was featuring for uh, Bruce Bruce, and uh, so it sold out, all black audience, I'm killing all week, having a great week, it's Sunday, it's sold out again, I'm having another great show. Just a really, one of those really fun weeks to be a comic, you know. I'm doing like 25, hot-ass crowd. So Sunday night, packed, there's a uh, empty table up front, and there's a, a half-eaten steak, and it's just a little two-seat table, two-top table with a half-eaten steak, and nobody's sitting there. And my whole show, I'm thinking in my head, why is this half-eaten steak just sitting there at this empty table It's packed? <laughs> But I'm doing my show, and then I've got about five minutes left, and uh, in walks the gayest guy God ever made. <laughs> this guy is wearing uh, a half shirt. Uh, it says Sister for Rent on his shirt. It's a half shirt, you know, showing his entire stomach. He's got these little jean shorts on. And, in Dayton? Uh, in Dayton. And I had seen him <laughs> earlier, and I was just like, wow. Like, that guy is, <laughs> you know, leaving no doubt about, you know, <laughs> how he feels about things. Good for him, whatever. And uh, so then he comes walking into the room, and he's got this big black woman behind him. And uh, he sits down, and whatever, all of a sudden I go from killing to nothing, you know, because everyone sees him come in, and he sits down, and... She sits down and and I go, you know, you just fucked up my joke, right? And he was like, he was like, what I do, you know? And I go, well, everyone in here saw you sashay in here, and they knew if I was any kind of comic, I had to say something, you know. And then and then the lady that he was with goes, you leave her alone. And I was like, her? I just saw her in the men's room. And uh, it starts this like ten minute thing five or ten minute thing between her and I where I am just smashing her. Like Which her? The lady. Okay. The big black woman he's with. She yeah. is getting pissed off. Like, <laughs> I come up there and kick your ass, motherfucker. And I was like, girl, by the time you get up here, I'll be in the office cashing my check. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just ten minutes of shit like that. Like yeah. her lobbing it and me just knocking it out of the park. <laughs> but but the audience, you know, all black crowd is just going crazy smashing the tables you know oh you a crazy motherfucker you a crazy white boy you know and uh and just going nuts yeah fucking making 
so much noise, and people were like coming from next door in the bar to, <laughs> to see, see what's like, going on. What the fuck is going on in there? You know. And I came off stage, and man, I was high for three days. Just like, wow, that was, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and nothing fucking came of it, and I didn't have any, you know, I didn't tape it. So oh. now it's just a story. But yeah. man, it was just one of those things where you're like, you know, sometimes you have those weeks or those sets or whatever where you're like, I can never do anything else with my life. <laughs> you know, I trumped, I peaked too. Yeah, shit. like there. Well, I, I, I just mean like I could never. I could never have a normal, you know, job. Like every now and again, I'm right. like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna quit." And blah blah blah. And then I'm like, "Really? Are you? What yeah. are you gonna do?" You know, <laughs> like the other day, my buddy's talking about like, "I'm on my, I got my second interview, and if I do well on that, I get a third interview." And I was like, "Fuck that! <laughs> Fuck that! <laughs> like I can't imagine like, oh, yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> that! You know, like just sitting down and being." Like, so, if you had an apple and an orange, what would you eat? Because it's Tuesday, and fuck you. And there's a right answer. Yeah. I can't remember the one of the questions I asked him that he told me. God, what was it? Um, you know, that shit about, like, name five things that you wish were better about you. And, and he's like, you know, my friend's like, I'm too much of a good listener or something. Reti- you know, some... Just lie. Yeah, some horse shit, you know. Like, sometimes I care too much. Like, I do, yeah. <laughs> That's like a boyfriend girlfriend like exchange jobber. <laughs> oh, that's great. And like, yeah, you can't when you have like a show like that, you can't really ask for that to happen. Like it's just complete random luck that, that those two people came in that night. Yeah, and ever since then I've tried to record my shows and uh and that's another thing. Sometimes you're like if, if Sometimes you record a show and it sucks, or then it, it's hard to get a good tape, man. Like, I remember being at the Atlanta Punchline, and I was featuring for John Reap right after he won Last Comic Standing. So it was just hot as shit crowds every yeah. night. And every night, something happened with the camera. Every fucking ah. night. And on Sunday, I had probably the best show of the week. And I was so excited to see that tape, and I walked upstairs, and someone had bumped the camera, and I had filmed the wall for like the last 15 minutes. Ah. And stuff like that has happened. I mean, I have a hundred stories like that. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes you're like, ah, should I tape this? And you're like, no, I want to guarantee I have a good show, so I'm not going to tape it. <laughs> Let's not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you've also done a USO tour and you went to Korea? Uh, yeah, I did go to Korea. Um, like a couple of years ago? Or? Yeah, it was uh, way too quick of a trip. I, I literally, um, I was in Kansas City. And uh, had to go all the way to L.A. and then and then fly to Korea and then get on a bus for four hours and I was literally literally there for two days and uh, so I would like to do more of that kind of stuff. But <clears throat> was it like a really cool experience getting to perform for the trip? Yeah, and sometimes but sometimes the uh, depending on what where you work and all that, like a lot of times they'll have a lot of rules and like you can't talk about this and this and we don't want to talk about this and oh, that wow. and you're like. Ah shit you yeah know, like <laughs> you just cut away a lot of the shit i want to talk about half my act <laughs> i did one and uh and the guy before me went up and did everything we weren't supposed to do and i was like well you know and then they're like now please welcome this butthole who's gonna come out and do a bunch of shit we told him you know <laughs> a bunch of sanctioned stuff and i come out and, and you know it wasn't all that fun and i was like what's well, because i stuck to the rules this fucking butthole you know <laughs> 
Butthole is a good. Uh, oh yeah, is a good word by the way. <laughs> Any like third grade cuss word for like the real thing is cl- like classic yeah. across the board. Fucking butthole, that guy. Is. <laughs> Butt munch, butthole. It's all good. <clears throat> I loved on your YouTube channel. You had some videos. You did like some pranks and stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna put a lot more effort into. Uh, uh, promoting those, yeah, and uh, I love stuff and, like that, and That's doing great. more because I've got one on there that uh, I had one on Walmart for some reason. I, I I broke some YouTube law and they took it down, but it had over a hundred thousand views. And I've got one that's got a was that with the Donald Trump book? Yeah, that's a great. I had hundred hundred and something thousand at one point, and I did I broke some YouTube uh, law and they took it down, and yeah. now it's got like nine hundred or some Dang. shit. Um. I love the car salesman, the person. Yeah, guy. that's part. That's probably my favorite. Um, but it's too long. Like I've learned about YouTube, that you have to. It has to be like two or three minutes, or yeah. people just they'll watch the shit for four hours, but only at two minute intervals. Right. You know? um, if you guys listening at home, it's a great sketch. He just goes up to this Persian car dealer guy at night with a bottle in a bag. He wants to test drive one of the cars. Yeah. He's like slurring his words, and the yeah. guy won't let him do it. I pretend I'm drunk, and uh, I'm like, come on, man. We're trying to offer him 80 bucks. Like, he's I just got close to 80 bucks on me. Let me use it. Typical Persian guy. He's like, come on, buddy. I would let you drive. Yeah. yeah. Just being a businessman. Yeah, he was actually pretty cool about it. Um, but I've gotten lazy, and I haven't put one up in like a year and a half, and then I go on the road for a while, and, and before I know it, it's just been forever, and I haven't done shit, but... Uh, I, I want to do a lot more of those and uh, see if I can't just make myself a draw. You know, like, I'm starting to sell some tickets, and like I said, all I did was, uh, um, you know, I headlined a lot this year, and that's all I did, and uh, that's all I plan on doing from, from here on out. And, and I've I've closed a lot over the, over the years, but now I'm finally starting to, to sell a few tickets. But it's, it's freaking hard, man, yeah. to sell tickets anymore. It's... Uh, and a lot of times the people who sell the tickets aren't the best comics, you know. So then a lot of people that go to see those guys are like, well, shit, why would I pay to go see this guy when right. I paid all this money to see so-and-so and, you know, he sucked. Like, yeah. Well, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, a lot of times the funniest guys are people you've never heard of, you yeah. know. Like if there's a comedy, if there's a reputable comedy club in your town... Then you should go check out the headliner, no matter what their name is. Because chances are they're really damn good. You know, it, it's not uh, life isn't fair, and I'm not trying to bitch about uh, the comedy business or life as a comic. And, you know, because there's way too much of that going around anyway. And there's, uh, you know, if you don't have an answer, then just shut up. <laughs> but uh, it, it's really hard these days to. There's so many uh, mediums and so much so many cable channels and uh, the internet and, and you know, it, it's really hard to uh, stand out when it's spread so thin. Yeah. You know, and there's so much free shit. Right. You know, like people are always like, well, why would I pay $2 for that when I can watch this for free? You yeah. Know, or, you know, but... It is strange. Like, I'm a comedy nerd, so, like, I know all of them, but, like, when I talk to my friends, even, like, Bill Burr is, like, an indie comedian when he's, like huge to me like he's yeah. the best guy there is out there yeah. like oh yeah i think i've heard some of his stuff like, what do you mean you think like he's yeah if he would have been doing what he's doing now in the 80s or the 90s i mean he would be household there yeah. would be you know no one who didn't know who he was and why do you think that is is it because people 
Do you have to get on TV to be like a popular comic nowadays? Well, or? I, I, again, even if you're on a good TV show, there's so many TV shows. Right. And uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. I mean, he's doing really, really freaking well. But um, but to be as good as he is, and for anyone to not know who he is, you know that that yeah, to it's me strange. that's surprising, yeah. especially in this day and age where everything. But again, it's not like there's one channel that everyone's watching. Right. You know, Everyone can see everything, but yeah, it's it's uh, so spread out now, right? You know, but you're, I mean, those pranks, I love them, and I feel like that's something a studio could just pick up. Well, that's my my idea, and my goal is to uh, this year just film a lot of shit Mm -hmm. and and release a new one like at least once a week, you know, and have enough that you could do it six months to a year and get people where they're like. You know, because right now I have like 750 subscribers, which isn't yeah. a ton, but it's a pretty good start. And uh, if I'm churning those out and putting a little bit of money into promoting it and all that, I mean, I've seen some crap that has millions of hits. And you're right. like, well, how about if you just put something on a consistent basis that was funny, mm-hmm. you know? Like the that drive through thing I did with uh, Miranda. Did you see hey, that the one? Del Taco one? Or? Yeah. Yeah, great. That, that one is... <laughs> Miranda! Yeah, I mean, some of the compliments I've gotten on there are like... Like, dude, I've been doing, I've been watching YouTube since it started, and it's yeah. the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, we were just fucking around. Yeah. You know, like. It's the perfect idea for a show, if any studio would ever pick it up, because you can still go on the road and just have a camera crew with you and just do it from the road. And Yeah, and if I could just become a draw doing some shit like that, and then, you know, I've already, you know, I've got an hour of solid stand-up material, and, uh. You know, if I could just become not only a headliner, but a headliner who sells tickets, because uh, that's half the battle, man. I don't care what anybody says. Once you get well known and like people came to see you, right. you know, like the ticket says, you know, and everyone knows that, that that's you're the guy that night or whatever, mm-hmm. it becomes easier. Right. <laughs> you no, know, it becomes like, uh, it, it's like, if you were, you know how there's certain people you're funnier around, you know, you have friends that you're funnier around. Yeah. Well, when people pay 30 bucks to see you and it's sold out and everyone is there is like came to see this guy. You're going to have a great show. It is easier than it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> to get laughs, you right. know what I mean? And to just be yourself and to be funny off the cuff and, uh, you know, rag on the town or whatever. Mm. And people are going to be like, ah, he just made fun of our Dairy Queen, you know, whereas... <laughs> Right now, if I go in there, they're like, "Fucker, just made fun of more dirt." You know, you know. But but again, that's that's uh, you know, if you get to a level like Louis or Bill Burr or somebody like that, you know, that's that's part of your reward. And that's not me saying that it's easy for them now. You know, if anything, guys like that who uh, genuinely care and someone as awesome as Bill Burr who doesn't think he's completely found his voice yet, um, you know. Guys like that are are uh, few and far between as far as being able to come up the amount of material they do and all that. It's it's not as easy as oh yeah people think. You know, people it's like mind blowing how fast like Louis and Bill Burr and all of, like Chris Rock go through like material. It's like, jeez, like they're yeah. machines. Yeah, no. But I mean, to keep going off the prank stuff, and did you do a lot of that like in college or in high school, like? prank phone calls like is that how you kind of figured out you're funny or um yeah i could always do uh 
voices and characters, and I'm trying to do more characters in my in my stand up without it being hacky. You mm-hmm. know, like anybody can just you know go into something you know and be all hacky about it. But um, when I was a kid, I I uh, would make my brothers and sisters laugh by doing like different voices and stuff, and they'd make me do it over and over. And then mm-hmm. when I got to school, I realized I can make people laugh by doing that kind of stuff. And and uh, being a smartass and all that, but I was I was kind of quiet, you know, for the most part. And then I, w- I would pick my opportunities, yeah. And I would, uh, I learned to not say something if I thought about it too much, you know. Like if it came to me and I just said it fine, but if I stewed on it for a second, it never got the response I wanted. <laughs> I learned that from a pretty young age, yeah. You know, and even now I'm in my thirties, and it's still. Yeah, it holds true for the most part. Even on stage, if I think about something too long before I say it, it just it never comes out the way it. Right. You know. Yeah. It's it's bullshit at that point. It's like, <laughs> oh, we just thought of a funny bit. Here's something funny. Okay. <laughs> it never comes out the way you want it to. Yeah. You know. Do you write uh, like consistently every day, or do you write on stage most of the time? Or? Uh, I find uh, it's. It usually is funnier when I write it on stage. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's it's difficult for me to sit down and write out, like, the perfect joke. Like, after I've done it, mm-hmm. then I could write it out and make it tighter, try to take out words or whatever. But usually I'll try to just say something on stage, and then I'll try to keep saying it just like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll figure out the best place to put it, and then... Sometimes you'll do a joke for like a couple of years and you're like, and then you finally find a pla- the right place to put it or you take out two words or add two words or whatever and all of a sudden you're, the joke that was just kind of, yeah, you knew it was funny, yeah. but there was something wrong with it. Some nights you'll just fix it on stage and you're like, oh, well, fuck, that was always yeah, right there, dummy. Right. You know? Huh. Well, now I got a good joke, you know? It's yeah. cool. Um, so no, I don't, it, I, I try to sit down and and be disciplined about it and all that, but I, it's not easy for me to do. Yeah. I do some call-in characters for radio stations, and I write those out on my computer because I need them to be as tight as possible. I pretty much just read them off my computer. For like, like Bob and Tom show? Or um, just various uh, radio stations throughout the, the country. Yeah. And that's my... Um, that's an awesome job. Yeah, I'm just going to have... that's uh, And I'm just going to my main source of uh, payment from them is that they're just going to um, say my name a lot right. <laughs> and say good things about me and yeah. tell people to go to my YouTube and all that. And uh, yeah, some of those videos are pretty funny and we didn't really put any effort into those. And, and uh, as far as like, you know, we didn't pull out of pre planning and doing all that, but it also reminds me like, this is supposed to be fun. You yeah. know, like once you start doing comedy for a living, uh, you lose sight of that a lot of times, you know? And, uh, and it's supposed to be fun, you know, period. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming Yeah, I feel that. like it was the worst podcast ever. No, it was great. On my end, like, no. all I did was ramble and answer questions halfway, and then I'm like, yeah, fucking one no. time in Poughkeepsie, <laughs> I, uh, I like bubblegum and shit, so, uh, I don't know. Thank you so very much. For yeah, coming. thanks and, for having me, buddy. It's uh, fun. What shows do you have coming up in the future? This will go out on Monday. So uh, I just got off the road for I did thirty two shows last month. 
Um, oh wow! So I did a lot. I did. I headlined Vegas, which took four, took up fourteen of those shows. Um, so it was a long month. I'm going to answer your freaking question. There, there I go again. Uh, I am headlining Harvey's in Portland, okay. which, uh, the 16th through the 19th of October, and uh, I've always heard awesome things about it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then I have a surgery on my shoulder, so I'm going to take it easy for most of the rest of the year. And then uh, what did you do to your shoulder? Uh, just wear and tear, wrestling yeah. and getting old. And You're still wrestling? Know. No, but I did for a long time. Yeah. And. Uh, now I do a lot of, you know, push-ups and that kind of thing to stay in shape. I don't mm-hmm. really lift a lot of weights, but uh, um, so yeah. That's, right. So Harvey's in Portland. Yeah. On the fifteenth. Thirteenth through the sixteenth. Thirteenth through the sixteenth. Thursday Perfect. through Sunday, seven shows. Awesome. I got some friends in Portland. I'll make them go for sure. They're not. Thank you. <laughs> no, they will. <laughs> Thank you so much. You Tim. fucking lied to me, Ari. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, buddy.